The University of Texas lost a great champion today as Bill Powers, the second longest tenured president the University of Texas at Austin, president from 2006 to 2015, passed away at the age of 72. Bill Powers was a champion in a lion for the soul of the university as uh, he fought Board of Regents and uh, outside forces to take away the spirit of the University of Texas that, that Powers had observed and drawn him here in the 70s. Uh, Bill Powers was a friend to many students, myself included, um, whether it was uh, just a, a kind word in, in, in passing or uh, when he came to the Teos Club breakfast or um, a, a word of advice as I was finishing undergrad and deciding what to do with my career. Bill Powers has been a friend to many students, and I'm sure there's Hundreds of people can share similar anecdotes, if not thousands. Uh, And so we take a moment of silence to honor a true Longhorn legend and a friend of all Longhorns everywhere. Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built. And we are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. We're actually going to be in a new place for you moving forward. We'll be part of the Burnt Orange Nation podcast feed where we're going to try to start bringing you content from Texas Longhorn lovers like us every day of the week with Kyle and I kicking it off every Tuesday with the Longhorn Republic. So you can subscribe there. We love to have you as part of our family. And before we jump in, I want to remind you of the Texas Exes Spring Gala, Saturday, March 23rd, coming up 6 to 10 at the River Oaks Country Club. The event is going to be honoring Roger Clemens with Bill Worrell and a Q&A with Roger. There's going to be a silent auction with some awesome experiences, some auction games, uh, and all the proceeds are going to benefit scholarships for Houston area students to attend University of Texas at Austin, a great, great spot for you to give back and help people love and fall in love with the university that you so very clearly love. You can find more information and purchase tickets at texasx.com. Now, with all that being said, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's trying to get paid like an NFL safety, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, you know, it's funny. My mom actually wanted me to do podcasting uh no that's a that's a bad landon collins joke um no i uh i'm doing fantastic man it is uh it's it's weather that feels a bit more akin to texas i think we touched 80 today in houston um it's it's you know in the 70s kind of nice here i'm in i'm in a good mood uh spring has sprung uh it's still my birthday month so everything's good here man how are you i'm doing well my sister had her baby yesterday which is just in Incredible, so we're super excited Congrats. to meet that little dude next time we get to go down. And Oklahoma is doing this incredible thing it does every March where it's like 30 one day, 70 the other day. So we like had a day out on Saturday when it was 70, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's incredible. And then this morning it was super cold on my way to work. But because it is spring, spring has sprung. They're back on the football field, so we'll talk some spring practice, got some updates for you. Uh, basketball, we're going to talk about somehow a sport that doesn't exist anymore. Baseball had a touch-and-go 
weekend, and then we'll close it out with some State of the 40, and obviously we'll bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So let's just start with the thing that we really, uh, brings warmth to my heart, Kyle. They're, the off-season strength and conditioning is over, the players have posted their air quotes updated uh, size measurables, <laughs> their weight. They all put on 25 to 30 pounds of pure muscle and grew three inches in the offseason because that's how good Yancey McKnight is. But they're back in helmets and not quite pads yet. That'll happen in a couple days. But spring practice, all that to say spring practice started. We got some updates. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about. A lot of things going on. So let's start at the top. I've got to apologize to all of our listeners and anybody I argued with on Twitter. Jordan Whittington, as they released the numbers in the new roster, number Venti Uno, 21. He's going to be playing, at least listed, as running back through spring practice and probably through the 2019 season. At least he was recruited as an athlete, played basically everywhere for Quero as a high schooler. So one, anybody that I've heard or offended by being completely wrong about Jordan Whittington, I am sorry. And for all of those who I have made feel bad because I was completely right about Jordan Whittington, I am not sorry. I am very happy. Shout out to Eric Verbit. Um, no, I, uh, this is awesome, man. I think the, the, the quicker we get the good guys on the field where we can get the ball in their hands, we have a lot of young talent. We have a lot of old talent, too. Just a lot of talent. But the the guys who early enrollees who just that picture of Jordan Whittington looking like a third-year NFL player, just absolutely yoked. Like, get him on the field. I don't care if he's, you know, playing kicking, if he's if he's deep snapping, get get him on the field but uh i do think that you know he's gonna he's gonna be uh in the mix all over and especially um as our as our second uh second option out of the backfield should be should be really interesting and i think a couple of things one you're absolutely right find a way to get him on the field and that wide receiver room is so so crowded with talent which is a good problem to have uh, but I think this move was completely precipitated by Brew McCoy showing up. Yeah. Like, if I had to put a finger on it, Brew McCoy instantly comes in and takes the spot that we all had Whittington projected to take. So the fact that McCoy is there and he's honestly better than any other option they have at receiver not named Colin Johnson, if I had to just put a real fine point on it, and that's not to say that the other guys like Devin Duvernay, John Burt, that they're not good, but Brew McCoy is one of those guys that you're like, does he really need three years to get ready for the NFL? He looks like a grown man body. He honestly played at a college program uh, in high school anyways, right. but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so the other big news, unfortunately, uh, Pat Hudson uh, has decided that he will retire from football. Um, he never really bounced back. If you remember last year, he had some heat-related illnesses. Thank God he is okay. They got him uh, the help that he needed, but he'll be retiring from football as a player. Uh, he'll spend the rest of his time on the 40 acres. Uh, they'll honor his scholarship, which no surprise there, but he'll be working with Kevin Washington in player development and as a trainer during practice, which is good to see. I love seeing these guys that un see unfortunate ends of their career, still get an opportunity uh, to be a part of the team. Yeah. in in, in you know, he's, has the, has the opportunity to stay on with the program and, and continue to contribute, which is great. There, obviously, uh, he has some more time to finish his degree. But by all accounts, from everyone who's seen him, uh, whether it's in the program or just on campus, a, a good dude, 
um, a giant man himself to talk about big dudes. So maybe now that he doesn't have the requirements of having to push other giant dudes ar- around, he can uh, get to that healthy post. I always love linemen kind of post-playing career weight. Sometimes they, they really put me to shame. But, you know, when he doesn't have to carry that extra, I'm hoping that, that this means clean bill of health and a uh, um, an awesome career in whatever it is that he goes forward with after this. But, uh, you know, was one of those Baylor kids who I was excited to see, along with DuVernay, just break out and really – um, you know, shine for this team didn't didn't end up happening. But it, again, football's not necessarily always the most important thing. So just happy uh, to hear he's healthy. Football is very rarely the most important thing, and so yeah, it's good that he is healthy and still going to be a part. The wide receiver room. This was this was a a bit of a triage unit apparently to start uh, spring practice. So Colin Johnson, who's returning for his senior year, we all know that big contributor probably going to have a hopefully another breakout year. Can you have multiple breakout years? Oh, yeah. Uh, But he is not expected to uh, play in spring practice until the last week uh, at the earliest is what what Tom Herman said today. So that's uh, that's interesting development. Uh, Devin Duvernay dealing with a stress reaction in his pubic bone, which just sounds so pleasant. Um, So he's expected back after spring break. And then John Burt, this is a happy reason he won't be participating. Uh, He is, I'm not sure if you've been paying attention to our podcast, competing to win uh, some gold in the track and field realm. So he will rejoin the team in the fall. Uh, Not only is John Burt an incredible athlete, dude is also mad smart. So um, get get that money because let's be honest, track and field future is uh, bright for that young man. Oh yeah, he can run, he can jump, and and he can do both of those things better than most other humans. Um, just because you, you moved over it quickly, and I think that may have been intentional, but I do think Devin DuVernay's, and I'm using quotes here, stress reaction in the pubic bone um, is an interesting um, injury. I think it's also a rejected cut off a, off a genuine album. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, had to get that in there. You can move on with the real news. Uh, now I'm going to have um, so anxious stuck in my head for at least the next three days. So I really <laughs> appreciate that, Kyle. It's exactly what I need. There are worse things. There really are. So uh, more injury news. Keandre Coburn, a uh, guy who we are pretty high on, is being tested for kidney issues for the second time in seven months. No really uh, details on it obvious for obvious privacy reasons. Uh, but Tom Herman did say that the prognosis is good and he played through a similar issue last year. But because... It is the second time in seven months uh, he is going to uh, be cautious, which seems like a fair thing when it, dealing with such an important internal organ. Uh, yeah, and, and he is a he is a finely tuned athletic machine, so I'm hoping that you know his his health doesn't become an issue at all because you're right he is a guy who i am so excited to see play and to truly become a longhorn legend he's done all the things right before actually getting to play um also in that depth chart that you mentioned uh, he came out at 340 pounds of pure glistening muscle um and i just cannot wait to see him even bigger and 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 meaner and hopefully like i said with with the clean bill of health um coming back there but also wilbon at uh, at, at 335 um big geezy i mean it, there's there's some beef there's some beef on that d line in the middle it's 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 going to be a lot harder for these uh these 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 uh quick small uh pulling and and pass blocking guards to try to move those mountains 
yeah, I'm excited to see these two big fellows rotate and just eat up all the all the space on the inside. Just grab an offensive lineman or two and sit down. That's what I need you to do, and I'm excited to see it. So uh, Caleb Johnson, a guy who you and I are both really excited to see, uh, is in a no-contact jersey until after spring break, which tough to see, but he's going to be a guy that could potentially be mm-hmm. an instant contributor that could also give Jeffrey McCullough a, a shot to really shine for these first few weeks of spring practice uh, to, to give a shot. Cause it's really going to be a, uh, a competition between those two. McCullough will probably be competing for a couple of different spots. If you'd like to hear more about that, check out the linebackers piece coming from yours truly on burnt orange nation.com. <laughs> that's uh, that's, that's a, that's a fantastic plug. You've been crushing the segues today. Um, but no, I, I think Caleb Johnson, you're right. Is a guy who, I, you know, we've seen against Juco talent. I'm, I'm excited to see him against Texas caliber talent. So I was actually was on my short list of people I was looking for uh, in the spring. And I will be going up to the spring game. So um, we'll be seeing in person. But, um, yeah, it, it, it stinks. But we do have all other eight early and really expected to practice. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it, it's pretty good. But he's, he's there soaking it up. Um, there's a lot more things than just the, the physical part of getting there early and getting uh, in the program's kind of um, philosophies and, and, and just, just getting into the coaching system. For sure. So quickly, uh, now that we've spent like 10 minutes just talking about who's there and who's not, other than Nathan Vasher, who is joining the staff as a volunteer assistant, uh, what position or what player are you paying the closest attention to uh, as Texas goes through its, its kind of 19 practices before the spring game? You know, uh, it, it's a tough one because I think the, the the defense in general is a position is a is a series of collection of position groups. I should say, welcome to football. Defense is a collection of position groups. Um, <laughs> that that I'm not sure which one I'm most curious to see um, how how they you know get depth charted and how they line up out there. Um, but you know, I, I go back to my roots and I go back to Texas history. And you did just mention. Nate Vasher and DBU. So I'm actually really curious to see um, what that unit looks like. Um, Caden Stearns sat down with Longhorn Network with Logan Lindo this week, and, and he actually gave his freshman season um, a, about a B, B minus in his words, um, which should be frightening for every other quarterback and and receiver in the conference if what we saw from the freshman was was a b minus and um you know with brandon jones out he will kind of be um the 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 leader the captain back there um as far as the secondary so i'm excited to see his step up but then again like we talked about jalen green and anthony cook um and just that cadre of really talented defensive backs who you know go seven or eight deep um i'm really excited just to see who it is who's going to step up Carpe DM and, and and you know get themselves some snaps here in the spring when there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of rope uh, or I should say ladder to climb um, because as as our friend um, and and Texas Aggie Littlefinger said um, chaos is a ladder. Wow, so that's are you three for three on straight weeks of Game of Thrones references? I'm trying to trying to keep that. Uh... Keep that streak going, so I'm really proud of you. But no, I think so. Uh, it's 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 solid. I I really, you mentioned the D backs, the linebackers for me is something I really want to pay attention to because it's kind of an embarrassment of riches. Is really what why I'm curious about it because you've got your pick of basically five guys to fill three spots, and all of them have the potential to start on any team in the Big Twelve. If you ask me, like they are. 
just an incredible group. You've got McCullough, who played quite a bit this year yeah. um, as as your kind of upperclassman uh, stepping in. He has the problem with McCullough is he not really he's not really the true rover. He's not that fast sideline to sideline guy like you saw uh, with Gary Johnson or you saw with Malik Jefferson. But he's a smart player. He makes incredible reads. He's he has the ability to put his body in the right position to make plays. You saw that um, against that. Honestly, game-clinching interception against Kansas, which is a dumb thing to have to say, uh, but he's incredible, and he's really going to be competing with Caleb Johnson, who is out you know, wearing the non-contact jersey, so that'll be an interesting thing. If, if Caleb Johnson looks like the guy, the beautiful thing about McCullough is that he can shift inside, mm-hmm. and he could also play middle. He, he's a guy that can also play middle, and so he's a guy who, if DeGabriel Floyd needs some time to develop... You can lean on the shark because the shark, if you have a guy that's calling your defense, if you have a guy who needs to be the field general for the front, you know, six guys, the shark is a really smart dude on and off the field. So it'd be interesting to see that. And then again, if a guy like DeGabriel Floyd is ready to go, because that's another guy where it's like, does he really need three years? Like he, I mean, obviously he doesn't need to play with grown men at 19, but Dude is dude's got a high high ceiling. So yeah, and then the B backer like you've got options there. So it's just I love how much talent that this coaching staff has to prove from, and I cannot imagine how happy Todd Orlando yep. is. He's got to be like a kid on Christmas with all with all this talent uh, at defensive back and linebacker. Oh yeah, specialized weapons can do special things for sure. Um, I just the one thing I feel you were talking about Shark, and I don't know why I'd never thought of this before. It kind of makes me feel a little for him. If his breakout season would have been, um, you know, a couple years ago, he probably would have had some kind of cool sound effect or, or song. And now I feel like the first thing people are going to go to is Baby Shark Doo Doo, um, and, and he deserves better. And so hopefully he will blow so far past those expectations that he gets a much more bodacious uh, accompanying soundtrack. I don't know what it's going to be. I, the shark deserves a good soundtrack and let's just go back for a minute. He did a video for Longhorn network where he was like surprising people, like scaring folks in the locker room. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he didn't use the jaws theme is just an insult to all things. Holy. So get it together. We have so many, we have so many ideas for, for Longhorn network, even if they're not going to, you know, hire us, then, then at least some kind of um, direct unpaid internship. Come on guys. We we're basically doing your job for you. They should hire us, but <laughs> there may be a team looking for some hires sometime soon. Uh, the men's basketball team that really doesn't exist anymore. Nope, it's um, I don't know what men's basketball is or what I'm going to do with all these shirts, but hopefully they can bring another school or another sport with nets. Well, I mean, we have options here, Gerald, and, I, and I'm already ready w- with some. Um, I, I think you wanted to make this segment more about basketball, and that's fine if you so choose. But, but let me try to sway you here. Are you familiar with the UT club soccer team? Uh, they are, they competed for some natties if I recall correctly. Yeah. So they, they're, they're very good. Um, the, you know, it is the highest level of men's soccer, uh, at the university of Texas and, and really for the most part in the state of Texas. Um, and so they get some pretty good recruits and so I have some players, some friends who've played on that team. Um, and they're always very competitive. They haven't had a losing season since the eighties. Um, they've actually won four national championships. They won in 90, 95, and then back to or three in a row, 95, 96, and 97. 
um, they've been very close. Or no, they had a runner-up in 97, excuse me. But they've been very close in the 2000s, haven't actually won one. But, uh, you know, they uh, they are a very good team with a demonstrated track record of success and um, sustained greatness and solid coaching. And so, I mean, I, I don't make the decisions here um, at the athletic director level, but... You know, if we want to replace it, it's it's still Title IX compliant. So like for like switch, we just sub out basketball, bring in soccer. Who says no? Equestrian's an option. Teams in the Big 12 compete in equestrian. You can hop in there. You can hop in wrestling. Big 12 has wrestling. You can do that. Uh, Basketball is a thing. We could have had Mark Henry. Sorry, that just popped in my mind. We could have had Mark Henry, NCAA wrestling champion. Book it. (laughs) Done. Book it. I... I don't know what else we need. Let's just end the podcast now. That's the best idea that we are ever going to have. So let's just book it now. No, so uh, we're jokingly belittling Texas basketball because we're trying to keep from crying. Texas basketball lost its final regular season game of the season. Uh, That was redundant, but we'll go with it anyways. 69 to 59 to TCU on senior night. I, I don't have words. Largest home loss of the season. Save the best for last. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I Senior night. Kyle, I just don't know. Yeah, that's that's when the senior leadership shines. Kyle, I'm, I'm out of words to talk about basketball as far as what the heck is going on. I don't know. They were up for like five minutes, and then that disappeared pretty quickly. TCU went on an early run. And that's all she wrote. So that loss now sets up a Big 12 tournament first round game against number three seed Kansas, which mm-hmm. I didn't do the research on this, but they've never not been the number one seed. I think that's they've an accurate. Always, yeah, that's an accurate statement. It's bad grammar, but good sports history that Kansas has always been the number one seed in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, but if there's a matchup that Texas has a shot to pick up a much needed win, it could be the Kansas Jayhawks. So, in their last two matchups, the January 14th matchup, Texas managed to keep it close and came away with a loss 80 to 78 on the road. So, in Larry, Kansas, they only lost by two in the the vaunted, you know, fog. And then just a few weeks back, January 29th, came away with a dominant 10-point win at home. Now, Texas has lost four of its last five games, and they're really probably needing a win to, you know, stay above 500 and stem the bleeding just a little bit for hopefully ending up in the Big 12 tournament. So does Texas have what it takes to, to get that done? I mean, it's weird to say, but it's almost like out of the good teams in the conference, um, Kansas may have been one of the better draws. Um, Iowa State, they've had some success against, of course, in, in Kansas. But other than that, and I guess you could say Kansas State, but that was a different Kansas State team. Um, but other than that, you didn't want to see Tech. You you, you didn't want to get, um, you know, <laughs> really anyone else at the top that I would feel as comfortable uh, feeling like they could do something stupid um, and win this game because everyone has counted them out. And that's, that's when Texas basketball... Um, in its in its utter unevenness um, decides to shine. I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, Kansas typically is pretty good in the Big 12 tournament. That's a part of their ploy to get you to pick them in their brackets. They're part of the the big bracket uh, industry. They uh, they they 
kill off of, you know, killing brackets. So Kansas will win the Big 12 tournament, obviously. You know, they'll bump up and get a two seed, and then they'll go out in the first round when people have them winning the championship. So I, I almost feel like, actually, I just I just figured it out. They can't beat them because Kansas has a narrative to finish writing. Now, here's the question. Does Bill Self have stock in paper companies? <laughs> so when people burn and then have to reprint their brackets... <laughs> Does he get paid? That's the real question. Yeah, I like like you said, if there's one of the top three seeds to get Kansas as the one, they they look more vulnerable than they have in yeah. probably what a decade yeah. in the Big Twelve tournament. I mean, obviously the they did not win the the regular season championship, which very rarely happens. Uh, again, I can't remember the last time it didn't. But it may have been I don't have when memory when Perry Mason was a freshman in 1953. That yes, I think he may have. When Perry Mason invented the game of basketball uh, with Dr. Naismith, that was the last time they did not win. Sorry, young fans of the pod. Sorry, this is this is all very funny to us old heads. Yeah. So if you're if you are uh, you know like ten years removed from college, then this is hilarious. Uh, no. So I just don't. I they have to win a game. I think to end up in the tournament. Like it's it's hard to look at a team that you lose five of six and you're sixteen and sixteen. Like. I know the bubble is mad soft this year, but like, how do you put that team in the tournament? So here's, here's what I'll say. Um, first I want to correct. Cause I said Perry Mason, cause I, I guess I was thinking um, classic movies. I obviously meant Perry Ellis and I just feel very dumb, um, but I, I will correct my mistakes in there, but I'm going to go back now and tell you how do they make the tournament, Gerald? So um, I, I'll start with the easy ones. Um, an easy number to digest is 13. Texas had the 13 toughest strength of schedule this season based on who they played, who they played in non-conference, who they played in neutral sites, who they played um, their away games against. Um, They had a a very tough schedule. So, okay, that's something that will definitely help. Um, Texas still currently ranks 27th in Ken Palm's ratings. Now, this is not necessarily the same, and Ken Palm is not an official metric of you know, the, the selection process, but it's a decent indicator. And you know, that the same things he's looking at are what the, uh, the, the selection committee will be considering. So this is the number that I'm most curious if this does anything to move the needle for you, Gerald, does negative 0.112 strike you anything fancy? No. (laughs) Okay. Um, so, so that actually is, um, is Texas's according to Ken Palm's rating, luck score so he rates luck and 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 that's a very curious thing to rate but but he said um you know he gave kind of how he did it and it it makes some sense if you think about if you're familiar with ken palm's advanced mathematics pythagorean calculation for expected winning percentage he basically looks at expected winning percentage versus the actual wins they got etc etc and comes out with a luck metric there's teams that definitely overperform and you assume get get very lucky there's teams that you know underperform or sometimes they come out about even so the teams that had a lower luck metric this season than texas all ranked over 100 and 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 four of them were numbers 196 199 and number 225 out of 335 um teams that were ranked texas had the sixth worst luck according to Ken Palm, with expected wins versus executed wins. Now, I'm not saying that means the ball's just 
bounced the wrong way or whatever is that sense. But, you know, you look at this team, you look at how they went out and played, how they held opponents, you know, their their usual scoring average, their um, offensive efficiency, and then how Texas played defense and, and caused them to perform. You look at the way uh, vice versa, Texas held teams or the other teams held opponents and then how Texas did against them. And you look at all those and you look at the actual raw data and the numbers um, and it's dumb. It's dumb that Texas only won 16 games. Like, this this shouldn't have happened. And so just when you look at that and you look at the resume, I think there is still a chance that Texas doesn't win any games in the Big 12 tournament and still gets that last last ticket to the dance. Yeah, it's... Not that I think they should for, or I even will watch them, but I think it could. Like, I just don't know... If I want that to happen. Yeah. Like, this season has been frustrating enough as it is. Now, do I want to see some of these seniors get a shot to play some more basketball? Absolutely. Like, Snoop going out on a regular season where he's suspended and ends up Big 12 honorable mention is not the way that guy deserves to end his career. But I just – do they deserve to go – and play in the NCAA tournament and lose in the round of 64. Like that's, that's the question. Uh, and again, this could be a team that jumps up and su- jumps up and surprises you because they've done that on a couple of occasions this year, namely like the Kansas game. They're just those random games where they jump up and like, Oh, Purdue. Okay. This team is good. Purdue. Right. Or what they did to Iowa state in, in the, yep. the that matchup. So that was, there are those games where it's like, okay, this team can play and are they better? A Snoop Roach back on the court? Absolutely. But when push comes to shove, I just don't know if this is a team that can get the job done. And it's it's hard. Yeah, I mean, but like you said, for, for the guys who are seniors, you know, for, for Roach, for Osikowski, for Jackson Haynes. I know he's not a senior, but he gone. Um, for those guys, I mean, give them a chance to, to change the legacy, to change the taste in the mouth. You know, go do something at this point. You shouldn't. I mean, the way you're playing right now, this this is this is a team that shouldn't make it. But the talent level is there. That you know, it's it's if they're a 12 seed, that's not a game that you wanna you wanna get. You know, as a as a five seed, that's just there. There's too much talent to feel comfortable. Uh, if you know, if if they were a much higher seed, they're they're a team you would want to play because they could also lose to anyone on any game. But you know. It, I don't even know what to say. Hopefully, we'll, we'll hear when the when the selection comes out, you know, and and then we can we can figure out what's going to happen when we hear the matchup if they do make it in the tournament. But there is a good chance that Shaka Smart could bring home the NIT tournament championships. First of all, you must use his full title, Jackson Hayes, first of his name, Big Twelve Freshman of the Year. <laughs> uh, so, of the Big Twelve or the Big Twelve awards, Jackson Hayes is the one. Yeah. Uh, Snoop honorable mention, Matt Coleman honorable mention, and the list ends there. Yep. So not much to talk about there for Texas. Uh, Jackson Hayes, Big 12 freshman of the year, Big 12 all defensive team, uh, Big 12 newcomer team, Big 12 freshman team. So the story of the year is maybe we get one more, one or two more opportunities to watch Jackson Hayes play in Burn Orange before he ends up in the NBA. Yeah, and joins a, a litany of very good, you know, Texas bigs who, who now scatter uh, across the league and and you know we'll we'll have another hot recruit big man a different player but will baker coming in to uh you know to come in and see if he can be the next great texas big i would love to get any of these for two years but we'll see uh you mean great 
Texas big in the NBA or on campus? Because that's much different conversation. Yeah, I mean, we can go into the NBA Texas bigs, but, uh, you know, I, I, I do remember my team handily dominating yours when we did the Rick Barnes draft. But, uh, you know, since then, obviously, we, we've had some some guys, and, and Mobamba didn't get any luck with his, his injury, but really was starting to put in some good performances. I mean, Jarrett Allen is looking like a real deal, um, legitimate, just – 12-year guy who's going to have a spot in the league and, and really do well for a team. Um, obviously, Miles Turner uh, is, is you know, he, his game is changing a little bit, and I think that's not a bad thing. Um, he's He's been a little up and down, but he's, when he's been up, that the Pacers have been very good. Um, and then, of course, LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're, there's, there's a long uh, and I'd say pretty prestigious uh, train that he's hopping on, you know, to be the next sub. So, um, best of luck to him. Of course, he hasn't announced anything officially. We're just speculating here, but it seems like the writing is on the wall. Yeah, I got nothing else to say about that. So baseball, that was an interesting weekend. Uh, so they came out and looked real, real promising in the first game against Stanford, a 4 nothing shutout, which looked real, real good. Uh, Ty Madden threw seven scoreless with seven strikeouts, only gave up five hits. Texas scored four runs in the ninth inning and then three in the next 27 innings of baseball, losing the next three games, uh, eight to one, four to two and nine nil. So there's a lot of interesting dynamics happening with the baseball team, some injuries, some errors that were costly and uncharacteristic, I would say probably of a team that has been successful in other spots. So, you know, what, what can you take away from a dominant performance and three dominated performances? Well, um, the Bryce elder got, got roughed up and that's almost a good thing that happened early. Um, he, he wasn't going to just be the, the prodigy, you know, comes in and, and kind of instantly takes over. So, you know, it was going to happen, and he's playing really good teams every week here for a while, so it was definitely going to happen. I think he'll bounce back and be fine. I'm not especially worried, but they got to him. That happens. Stanford's a real good team. Um, in that third game, I mean, that's the game that hurts because Texas could have won that. Blair Henley had his, I think, best outing of the season. No earned runs and only five hits and two walks and six. Um, but in the fifth inning, you know, they're holding a 1-0 lead, and you're like, wow, another pitcher's duel? Great. Um, and then you have a two-out error uh, at shortstop, which allows two runs to go across the plate. Texas never really gets back on top. They did tie it up 2-2, but never really had the had the edge after that. And then game four was kind of a wash, and, and I mean that in a literal sense. The weather washed the field basically out again, a, a pitcher's duel, um, 0-0 going into the fourth when they scored um, – they scored on, I believe, eight runs that inning on on just three hits, which is hard to do in, in, until you factor in seven walks and, again, a crucial error. And that the, the field was just, I mean, a moat. They canceled it a few innings later in the seventh uh, due, to, due to the weather. So, again, to take away from that is tough as well. Um, but it was a good team, and, and they weren't the better team. Um, I think pitching will continue to be a little bit up and down because they're young, but the talent is definitely there. They can be in ball games with anyone. Um, they're going to have to get the consistency in the bats from across the order. Um, and then injuries are a real killer. Um, 
that happens to, that can happen to any team but it's just like it was almost like they you know the the injury gods just just scouted and looked for, you know the through the failings for the weak point um to where they could get us and and obviously you know with a younger team when you take shortstop with Hamilton before the year and then catcher catcher they're now down to the third string catcher those are the two most important defensive positions on on the diamond and it's it's tough it's tough to recover and and there's a reason this is the lowest fielding percentage UT's had in like 25 years it's it's tough when when those are your positions where you're just trying to put someone out there trial by fire yeah and I think the thing to note about this is Stanford is probably a team that you're going to see deep in the postseason so yep it's hard to really be too upset about this loss. Like obviously you want them to win and compete and not get just absolutely blasted like they did, but there's a lot there's a lot of other factors going into it. And I think the the home and away is something to keep an eye on as well for the rest of the season. Texas so far eight and two at home, four and four on the road makes them obviously if you can do math, twelve and six. So thankfully the next two big ranked teams they get are at home. You got tech Number 11 coming in to Austin and number 14, Arkansas, who, are, again, are teams you're probably going to see deep into the postseason. Uh, they are combined 23-5 and five on the season. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they're not through the woods yet. Uh, you saw LSU, and that was a high, and you saw Stanford, and that was a gut punch. So how they get back up uh, from this will be important. But, you know, we, we alluded to it. They obviously um, have lost Petrinsky is the, is, the, is the big news. That was the starting catcher, DJ Petrinsky, from last year, um, who's having surgery on a torn labrum, um, which is tough. He's going to be out this year, just couldn't really get through the pain. Um, and so Michael McCann has been catching a lot this year. Now McCann is out. His doesn't seem to be season ending, but we are on our freshman catcher. So, you know, we're going to need the arms to be, to be on, uh, for these, these upcoming games at home, um, and the, the bats to help out, uh, if we do have any, any additional lapses that, uh, let an extra run or two that we probably shouldn't, but, uh, you know, it does, it does give you something to watch for if there's going to be close games as you would anticipate coming up here, those little things can be the difference. Baseball. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet, guys. If oh, you're no. Hitting the shock of smart basketball panic button. Like so many of you do, just take your finger off the trigger for, for just a second. It's going to be okay. But baseball is back in action Tuesday, the day you're listening to this against Texas Southern again at Dish Falk Field. You can probably get tickets for like three or four dollars at this point. Uh, they were three dollars last week, so check some out. And then this weekend, they've got the three game series to kick off conference play against Texas. Tech, you can catch all of the next four games until you hear Kyle and my beautiful voices again on Longhorn Network. But quickly, Kyle, let's jump in and do our new recurring segment, State of the 40. So Texas has, you did the math on this. I'm, I'm actually pretty, pretty impressed with this. 12 top 25 programs, six top 10 programs, and four top five programs, not counting the teams that finished in the fall, meaning football and volleyball. So this is, there's a lot of good happening on the 40 acres. A number 21 women's basketball, having a bit of a disappointing end to a regular season. They finished 23 and nine after falling to Iowa state in the big 12 semis as the number three seed. 
a track is heading to the indoor national championships. The women finished 12th. The men finished 13th. There's a lot of, uh, of low numbers. I almost said big numbers. A lot of low numbers coming out of these track, uh, track natties. Yeah. And, in in the two, I felt really bad for those probably would have each been better. Uh, Kennedy Flanell, who'd been, um, kind of our, our star on either men's and women's team ran what would have been second place to the, the current, fastest women's uh 200 holder who, who got first for i think that's north carolina a and t shout out um but was point two behind her point zero two behind her really pushed her to a, a national championship effectively um and then found out she was dq'd for a lane violation in the final turn which was a tough a tough blow feel bad for her but you know they jump right into the outdoor season and she's expected to be strong there as well so maybe she can get some redemption but that would have put him somewhere around a sixth place finish at, at uh, indoor nationals and then the men Alex Rogers, who's currently the record holder for UT, uh, was tripped at the beginning of the uh, three three thousand meters, which again sounds like a plane flight, um, and, and still ended up 14th after getting up off the ground, passing a couple people towards the end of the race, which is tough. So again, it could have been better. Um, Coach Floriel was uh, was I, I like it. He was saying this ain't good enough for Texas. Glad we we came out and proud of everyone who did well, but we can be better. And so with uh, Texas relays coming soon and the outdoor season kicking off, um, hopefully more more good to come out of that program. Number nine softball added five wins and the run rule count adds three to it, but only went one and two against uh, Minnesota in the Longhorn Invitational. Yeah, Minnesota, again, a top 25 team. Texas has, has played a few of those. You would like to see the home win. But we're run-ruling, folks, so I'm still happy. Uh, the Oregon Ducks uh, um, inspired uh, with, with multiple duckettes on this team who transferred to be with White Mike uh, continue to roll and uh, continue to be one of the best teams in the country. Our next best shot at getting a big one lit up on the tower. The number one women's golf team competing in Hawaii this week. But the big news really is that they have three golfers named to the Arnold Palmer women's team. Sophomore Caitlin Papp and freshman Haley Cooper playing for the U.S. Sophomore Agatha Lazney is playing for the international team. So essentially, Kyle, and and you maybe can explain it better. This is kind of like the Ryder Cup uh, for the college level, right? Correct, and it's it's men's and women's. Um, they basically pick six, the top six ranked players, which Caitlin Papp falls into that group, and, and we have uh, one of the men's team as well. Um, our, our auto bids, and then a committee selects the next five in, um, next five men and next five women. Haley Cooper was picked in that group. Agatha uh, was in the top six for the international team. So um, both men's and women showed out strong here. I think Vanderbilt was the only other team to even have uh, both men and women. In, in, but like I said, uh, no other team uh, put anyone in in the auto bids besides the University of Texas men's and women's golf teams. So you mentioned men's golf. They're ranked number eight in the country. They finished second at the Southern Highlands Tournament. They're headed to San Diego now for the Lambkin Classic. Uh, like you said, freshman Cole Hammer named to the Arnold Palmer Cup team. So that's actually the fourth Longhorn in the last five years. Bo Hostler and then our boy Doug Gim named twice. Tennis, number three in the men's topped Number 35, North Carolina State via sweep. Number 16, women took out. Number 17, Florida State. 
And then the swimming, uh, the swimming and diving teams, number two on the women's side, and again underperforming just a little bit. Number four, <laughs> men's swimming and diving are heading to nationals on the twenty seventh of this month. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Man, so I, I said I had a good weekend. I actually had a great weekend. Um, I uh, I got to meet a, a personal hero of mine, and I say this not because in some roundabout way he pays my bills, I think, um, but... Uh, Obviously, I am an employee of SB Nation slash Vox Media. And the guy who started it all, if you don't know, you should immediately go um, find his Twitter because he's hilarious and find anything he's written because he's one of the best writers, sports or otherwise, that's that's going right now. And I use those glowing words to describe Spencer Hall. Um, you know, he, he started Every Day Should Be Saturday, which is mainly a Florida Gators, but just a general college football um, blog lifestyle section, you know, all encompassing, um, and, and just created the ethos that is SB Nation and, and ultimately uh, governs, you know, Burn Orange Nation as well, um, of, you know, know the facts, be knowledgeable, but have a good time with it. Sports is not the most important thing in the world, we promise. Um, don't take yourself too seriously. Um, and he, he does that while giving, you know, a, a bit of poetic prose at the same time. And so I got to meet Spencer this week. He was driving to South by Southwest and stopped in Houston um, and just got to pick his brain, talk to him about writing, talk to him about football, talk to him about bears talk to him about his legs which surprisingly are normal size despite what he'll tell you um if you're a fan of his podcast the shutdown fullcast you'll you'll understand what i'm talking about there um but also with him were, were holly anderson one of the, the finest writers uh also in the country happens uh to be a woman and, I, and there's a reason i didn't say one of the finest female writers uh in the country and then jason kirk who who is the college football uh editor for SB nation and, and just a, a an all-knowing source and so it was it was um reinvigorating for me to to you know, meet the people who do this at the at the the top for the big show because we do this obviously uh, with a Texas bubble, and they had some great insights and, and just conversations about UT, obviously. Um, but just you know, to to plug it into the larger narrative and, and just um, reminds me why why I enjoy working for and writing for and being a part of uh, the SB Nation kind of big tent that we are all under. Um, Burn origination is certainly one of the finest. Uh, pieces of that puzzle but uh you know like i said it was a great weekend for me um and and definitely one i'll cherish for a long time yeah i mean again kyle and i both work with and for sb nation and and it's just cool spencer hall is as funny as i think i am and want to be (laughs) uh but not actually uh, like the wit and the wisdom that is that bearded man i just i can't I can't say enough. So my bang the drum uh, is is less fun than Kyle's. I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, so we didn't cover this in the news section, but uh, former Texas commit Mookie Cooper decommitted this week um, based around a lot of different things that you can conjecture and think about, whatever. And then there's always this really interesting thing that happens when a player decommits. And that's a grown person deciding to take Twitter shots at a 17-year-old child. Now, I use the term child loosely because you can, you know, 17, you're you're almost an adult. These guys are going to be big-time athletes in, you know, less than 12 months. But when push comes to shove, if you as a 
22, 23 plus, or really any age adult think it's a good idea to tweet at a high schooler for deciding he doesn't want to play a children's game for your university of choice, you need to reevaluate your priorities in life. There are so many more important things you could be doing rather than taking shots at a minor for doing what they feel is best for them in their future. Now, that being said, I think you shouldn't recruit or tweet at recruits, period. Just don't do it. But especially if you're going to take shots at a recruit because they decide that they want to go in a different direction. Don't do it. There's an easy flow chart. (laughs) Should I tweet at a recruit? The two questions are, are you a fellow recruit? (laughs) The answer to that is yes, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> is is the is the result there the other the other arc is no and the answer is no the flow chart's real simple should i tweet at a recruit there's only one branch if you are not a fellow recruit you definitely shouldn't if you're a fellow recruit unless you've got legitimate reasons to do it like giving them grief because you beat them in a game or you're both going to the same school and you're trying to recruit another player there's very few reasons and none of them involve being a 35-year-old man. Huh, that's that's fair unless unless maybe you're you're a 35-year-old coach and you need to get a hold of him to invite a five-star to come, you know, play at UT, but if none of you are coaches then stop tweeting at recruits. Um I think if we get the uh, the Longhorn Republic swag as we've we've joked about a few times um, going that we need at least some stickers or mugs or t-shirts that are just hashtag don't tweet the recruits. Um or don't tweet at Crutes, maybe we'll, we'll workshop it. Um, but I'm, I'm all the way here for this bang the drum as presented by Joe Ruiz. This is, uh, this is, I've never been more aligned with anything you've said. Well, I appreciate that, Kyle. We've been doing this for two years now, so I'm glad that we finally got into true Tom Herman alignment. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me tweeting at Crutes at Kyle Carpenter on Twitter. No, nah, I'm kidding. I don't tweet at Recruits. Uh, but at Kyle Carpenter, you will find me there. And you can also follow the Texas pregamer, though we uh, we typically are hibernating in the offseason mode. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can always shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. If you drink, don't drive. Call an Uber. <laughs>